Good morning, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48, and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. Hey guys, just want to thank all of you for taking time to listen to the podcast. If you're new, I am a counselor. I have been for the last 35 years, and I get to go on these amazing sacred journeys with people from all walks of life. They invite me into the deepest part of their pain. I come alongside them. We work together through whatever they're struggling with so that they'll have a higher quality of life. Even though with my education, experience, and training, there's no way I'd be able to do the work I do without the wonderful counselor who is Jesus Christ and who this podcast is named after. If you're not new to the podcast, welcome back. It's the fifth episode. I encourage all of you, if you haven't already listened to the other four episodes, to do so. Share them with your family, friends, and anyone you believe would benefit from them. I want to give a special recognition to those countries over the last three months that have had the highest downloads. That would be Germany and the United States and Brazil and Austria and France. All told, 17 countries, 37 states that are in the podcast family. The newest being Ukraine. Welcome. This is episode five, Jesus Meets the Cancel Culture. I realize given in the climate of the day, when what is offensive changes from moment to moment, I could easily be canceled. However, so could you. I, however, refuse to walk on eggshells for anyone, and neither should you. While I work, will work hard to not offend, if the truth of Scripture offends you, I will not apologize for meeting your definition of an offense. You see, my heart's to love you well, and for you to know how much God loves you. In order to do that, it isn't possible for me to lie to you, just to make you feel good. That's not how truth works. So in order for you to understand how the cancel culture operates, I need to introduce you to what I learned in grad school, deconstruction and reconstruction. And in the hands of an ethical, caring counselor, it's a beautiful craft. You help people address their beliefs that aren't helpful for them. To be, that's the deconstruction process and then look at some other beliefs that might be more helpful for them so they can have the best life they can have. You support their self-determination. And I support self-determination up to a point. As a counselor, if you come to me and you're not safe in the community, you're homicidal, or to yourself, you're suicidal, I'm a mandatory reporter by law. Self-determination has limits in any civilized society. Those are in place to protect the society. If you're a danger yourself or others, your self-determination gets impacted. That's how it works. Unfortunately, other people have learned how to deconstruct and reconstruct, and they seem to care less about your own self-determination and instead want to control you. So let me explain to you how this works. So in college, you're told nothing matters. Everything is relatives and your beliefs are deconstructed. Professors then begin the indoctrination reconstruction process, and they share with you and indoctrinate you on what they believe and their ideology. Do you know the litmus test to see if you're indoctrinated? It's your ability to be offended at things you didn't find offensive before. See, if you believe you are so right and that means other people do not have the right to think, act, and be different than you. Congratulations, your indoctrination is continuing. I remember my introduction to this in grad school. It was 1999. I had a Marxist professor who was supposed to be teaching a foundational counseling course. But he kept talking about his Marxist ideology. I remember he talked about how beautiful a Marxist utopian society would be like. So I asked him, how do you expect a country like the United States, which is a capitalist society, to become a Marxist society, this beautiful, peaceful, utopian society that you're talking about? And what he said to me shocked me. He said a violent overthrow of the U.S. government. And I thought this guy was a nut. Certainly, he must be an outlier, because not all the professors believe this, and at the time that was true. I had professors that were more interested in me developing critical thinking than agreeing with them. I had professors that wanted to hear 
how I thought and, and, and how I formulated my beliefs. They were more interested than that. Unfortunately, there's getting to be less and less of the professors that were more interested in what I thought. And now it's mainstream in most college campuses to not think for yourself, but be told how to think. And that Marxist ideology has become the only acceptable one. And if you think differently, it's just not your ideas and beliefs that they cancel. They cancel you. You see, who controls the meaning of words has the power to enforce their will on others. Their definition of a danger to self or others now expands to what they find to be offensive, not to protect the current society or the individual, but to promote their belief as the only true belief. Are you concerned yet? You need to be, because society as we know it is being deconstructed in front of our eyes. And if you disagree with who's doing the reconstruction, your podcast could be canceled, your career could be canceled, your reputation could be canceled. There's just so many different ways they could come after you. So you know what it reminds me of? I spent a few years studying serial killers. I know it sounds kind of morbid, but not really, because I was interested in studying human behavior. And how does a person get to a point where they could do such horrible things to another human being. And I noted two things. One, if you dehumanize the person in front of you and make them an object, you can do anything you want to that person. So to dehumanize a person, to take away their right to believe and live those beliefs out? I studied these serial killers, and they don't have the ability to empathize with their victims. So don't expect any of these psychopathic ideologies to remotely care about your life. Your prey, yes, these psychopathic word Nazis will hunt you down and will try to cancel your life. And you will cross a line that wasn't there yesterday. And then they'll be there waiting for you. Now you may ask, be asking yourself the question, where did cancel culture come from? Which is a really good question. I think many of you would be surprised to know it's been around for a long time, guys. You see, the Bible gives an account of the wisest person who ever lived. His name was King Solomon. And when he was just a boy, God spoke to him. He was in line to be king after his father David. And God asked him, what do you want me to give you as king? Solomon asked for wisdom. And this pleased God. So he gave him wisdom. In fact, he became one of the most wisest person ever. In one of the books he wrote, he makes the statement, there's nothing new under the sun. The cancel culture may seem like it came out of nowhere, but it's been around a long, long time. It's been around since angels were created. So that would be pre-time. So once again, let's use that amazing gift God has given us called our imagination, close our eyes. And I want you to picture in the beginning was perfect nothingness. Now you may be saying, how the heck do I do that, Bruce? We have no reference for such a thing. As was said by a singer I heard growing up in the 70s, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. I believe his name was Billy Preston. You see, the Bible starts out this way. In the beginning was God, not nothing. He is not controlled by time, space, or matter, or your opinion, or the cancel culture. God has always existed. And before he created man and women, he created other beings, and these are called angels. And he gave them free will. And one of the angels' names was Lucifer, which was the most beautiful of all the angels. And he took his free will and convinced a third of the angels to join him to try and do the impossible, and that was to overthrow God and become God. He lost very badly to his creator. God cast them down after he created the earth, he, and when he created men and women, he gave them the earth, and everything was subject to them. They did not take kindly to being thrown out of heaven. And God now giving these humans the earth? Lucifer developed a plan that was so simple and so diabolically beautiful. 
he would tempt and trick these humans to do what he tried to do. And he knew it would have the same results, but God loved them. And what better way to stick it back to God than to convince those who he loved that he wasn't to be trusted and he knew just what to do. According to the book of Genesis, God told the man and the woman, his beautiful creation, you can eat of any tree in the garden except the one of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat of that tree, you will die. God created men and women to have free will. He gave them the choice. And for a while they stayed away from the tree. Now Lucifer, he was just waiting for his opportunity. And there she was, near the tree. Now in order to know how to deceive her, he needs to know what she knows. So he asked the question and inquired what God said about the tree. And the woman adds, we can't touch it or we'll die. And when she did that, he knew he had his prey. Then he said to her, God lied, lied to you. He's keeping you from being like God. And then when she sees how delightful the fruit is, and she touches it and does not die, like Lucifer, they're kicked out, but not out of heaven, but out of a garden. Only they're given this promise. There's one coming, born of a woman, that the serpent will bruise his heel, but he will crush the serpent's head. Now Lucifer took over the planet Earth and continues to convince humans to rebel against God as he watches those throughout the centuries continue to try and be a god. Now God has intervened off and on throughout the centuries looking for men and women who would believe and kings rose and kingdoms fell and many of the nations chose the way of Lucifer and actually sacrificed their children on the altar. I want to pause for a moment bring us back to the future. I find it beyond sad that those same practices now have an industry built around them, and in the name of deconstruction and reconstruction of healthcare, we now justify killing babies because life has been deconstructed and babies live cancel cultured by killing them. Lucifer sits back and doesn't even have to do much anymore. Human beings have found an, their own way to kill their own children on the altar of good health care. Lucifer loves cancel culture. He loves turning the definition of words. After all, he invented it. Now, as you read the scripture, there are a lot of these biblical prophets that warn the people about making unsafe choices and putting their lives and their country and the security and even their generation at risk. Yet God, as the wonderful counselor, allowed them to make their choice. He gave them a will to choose and honored their decision. So cancel culture is birthed when a man makes God or a woman makes God in their own image. When men and women act as a God, then they believe they're all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. Every definition, every word goes through them. And that belief leads to the root of the problem. As the pride unhinges them from the sacred, they become self-righteous and serve their God which is themselves. In a universe where men and women try to act like a god, they expect all others to bow to their beliefs, and those who don't, well, they don't deserve to be heard, or in many cases left alive. The ultimate goal of cancel culture is to rule by their definition, and that's exactly what Jesus faced. Religion back then, and politics, were strange bedfellows. You see, the religious leaders essentially were good and godly men. However, after waiting 400 years and no word from God and the boot of Rome weighing on them, their pillars of society became corrupt and they tried to control those in their charge, which was a nation. And like the council culture today, they sought power but were controlled by fear. The leaders were so determined to not break the Ten Commandments, they added 600 more. They then put in procedures, and then they tried to keep and weigh down the people with their legalism. They were afraid of the ruling class, and they were fr frankly afraid of pissing off God. They let the religious pride build up in their hearts, and they made their worship about how proving how great they were by trying to keep a lot of rules and lost sight of the God that created them and the people he created. On top of that, there were those who wanted war with Rome. And the countryside was filled with reports of fake messiahs, 
What are the leaders trying to, what, what, what could they do? They tried to hang on to their power. They tried to walk the fine line, not to bring down the Roman government on their heads. See, this was the cancel culture Jesus was born into. It's a cancel culture today. Those playing God with their ideologies are trying to not be canceled themselves. The more they focus on others, not like them, and label them, then the easier it is to keep peace with rival fractions that threaten the stability of their order. Why does the cancel culture want to cancel you? Because it must. It's, it's for its very survival. It must maintain the illusion of control. Do you know how scared the cancel culture is of you? They have to form mobs. They can't face you individually. They're unable to put together an intelligent argument or a discussion with someone. So they yell you down. This is what the cancel culture does. So let's take a look at what happened when Jesus met the cancel culture. If you go through the four Gospels, you will see how our adversary, Lucifer, inspired men to try to kill Messiah. This is the ultimate cancel culture. They, these men, this king, was so afraid of losing his power that he had thousands of babies massacred in an attempt to kill Messiah. Do you realize, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that you carry Messiah's spirit and the adversary desires to take you out. 90,000 Christians die a year martyred for their faith. Lucifer has not quit inspiring people to try to kill Messiah or those that Messiah's spirit resides in, his Holy Spirit. As we continue through the Gospels, the next step in Jesus' journey, confronting cancel culture, confronting Lucifer, confronting the angel that tried to be God, that tries to convince mankind to be God, he meets him face to face. And what Lucifer tries to do is tries to have Jesus do what he tried to do and worship him as God instead of God. And Jesus is having nothing to do with it. And there's going to be pressure, my brothers and sisters in Christ, there's going to be pressure for all humanity to bow before people who say that they're God, who say that they're in position of power so that they can rule over you, whether that's a corporate level, whether that's at a governmental level, whether that's at a school level, an academic level, whether that's in a healthcare level, whether that's at a local government level, whether that's even at a church level. And Jesus gives us a model how to stand against cancel culture. He says to the devil, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we're to worship our Lord, our God, Jesus only. Not these false gods, not these people that are trying to be a deity and certainly not Lucifer that's inspiring them. Remember the scriptures and stand. Speak the word of truth when pressure comes to conform into the image of false gods, false ideologies, false idols. 
The next area, oh, and then the devil left. The next area that Jesus meets is he meets a mob. And it's a religious mob. It's a mob that he comes into the synagogue and he challenges their belief that other people could not be with Messiah. And as a result, the mob tries to kill him. They tried to kill the very Messiah that they've been praying to receive. But that's what happens when mob mentality. One person didn't try to kill Jesus. A whole mob did. And it was from his hometown. If you have to form a mob to try to make your point, you have no point. If you have to form a mob to have a high ground, you have no high ground. If you have to have a mob to try to control others and beat them into submission by your words and, and by um, geographic or geopolitical means, you have no power. The scripture says that Jesus walked away. He just walked away from the mob, and they were about ready to push him off a cliff. This is really important, guys. When we're talking about this new shift in our culture that's redefined everything, you don't have to live by their definition. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you don't have to live by their definition. And I want to say something to the church. Stop being woke and start being awakened. Stop trying to not offend people who don't have the capacity to not be offended. Who wants to offend people? Who wants to make people feel bad? Who wants to make people feel less than? I sure don't. But you cannot compromise the values of Scripture for this woke culture. God will not have it. He said that you got to be either warm or hot or I'm going to spit you out of your, my mouth. That's what he said. You know what wokeness does to the church? It makes us lukewarm. It makes us lukewarm. Now Jesus would have the next interactions with these religious leaders, these Pharisees. And I realize these were Jewish people, and I am not in any way, shape, or form identifying a specific religion as the problem. I'm, I'm identifying the spirit that's in that religion. And it could be Jews, it could be Christians, it could be Muslims, it could be anybody. This is so important for you to get. It's the spirit that Lucifer inspires in the human spirit that causes even religious people to miss the promise of God standing before them. So what happened is we had this group called the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the time. And their job, as they saw it, was to follow the law. There's nothing wrong with following the law. The problem is that they just went off the charts and deconstructed the law to make it something more bigger than what it was, to have more regulations and more rules and, and for conduct than it did, and then judging people based on if they followed their rules, not the Ten Commandments, but all these other added things that they put in. They were so afraid of breaking the Ten Commandments that they surrounded it with all these other rules and regulations. And they judged people whether they did those or not. Does that sound familiar? You know what we call that? We call that majoring in the minors. Right? And Jesus called them out constantly. He said to them, You're so caught up in what is not important. 
It's not on the outside of the cup, but what's in the inside of the cup. And he would continue to try to teach them and to show them to stop being focused on their own self-righteousness, to stop judging other people, to stop condemning and holding other people to a standard that they can't even uphold. Does that not sound familiar? The cancel culture of our day holds people to a standard it can't even adhere to. But then it changes the definition again. So it doesn't have to. Because now, if you're awoke in a particular culture and a particular belief system, you don't have to play by the same rules that you're expecting other people to play by. And Jesus called them out on that. He called them vipers. He called them empty tombs. You see, Jesus had compassion for sinners. He had compassion for the down and out. He had the compassion for the prostitutes. He had compassion for every group of people that had been stigmatized throughout history. But he did not have compassion on those that took religion, that took their power, that took their position and ruled over other people and held them in bondage. In fact, he said this. He said, by the, the standard that you judge someone, you're going to be judged. Do you understand that? For those of you who are sitting there going, well, this person isn't this race of me, or this person isn't in my political camp, or this person isn't doesn't look like me, thank God they don't look like you, and thank God they don't look like me. God doesn't want us creating people in our image. You guys got to get this. Uh, the world's got to wake up. We have people that are telling you how to think, how to live, how to believe, how to talk, how to walk, how to define yourself. And God says, no, I'm your definition. You are the beloved. You are the one I died for. You're the one who I paid the price on a cross to redeem back to me. The cancel culture has no idea of what redemption means. It has no idea what forgiveness means. It has no idea even what offense means because it is so blown offense, so out of this. It's, it's crazy because the very things they're offended about, God's not offended about. God is offended with their offense. Because they are following the path of Lucifer. You need to understand this. Redemption is real. Forgiveness is real. God has beautiful gifts for you. He offers you an invitation. We hear all this talk about equality, but then people who talk about equality are basically putting themselves in a higher position because of race, because of position, because of gender, because of ideology, because of all of this crap. And God says, no. You know what equality is? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's equality. All. Everyone. All of us. You know what else is equality? Jesus said, and he died for all. He died for all. Redemption is for all. I'm sick and tired to the point I'm about ready to throw up at this wokeness. This wokeness makes me gag. And you know what? It makes God gag. Because you take things that are beautiful and you deconstruct them so they'll fit with your religion, your ideology, and yourself as God. And it makes Jesus angry because he loves us. Lucifer loves it. Lucifer's having a field day at your expense. But you have a choice. You can live in this awokeness. You can live in this offense. You can live in this deconstruction of everything that was ever sacred. Human life, gender, 
um, sexual preference, all of these different things, race, justice, social justice. I am so sick of the word of social justice because it's not just. It used to be just. There's all kinds of social justice in the Bible. But they changed the definition. Now it means that you have to support people who think maybe differently than you do because they're in a position of quote-unquote, they're woke. They're now the people that you've got to bow down to. No, don't do it. Don't do it. And church, don't fall for it. Don't fall for this. Jesus said, you know, we come to Jesus as we are. He doesn't want us to pretend. And this whole thing about restitution is a joke. It, it, it is a blasphemous statement about the redemption of God. And then I, then I hear people talk about, well, you know what? Jesus was dark-skinned. Therefore, no, you don't look at the skin color. Did not Martin Luther King tell you? We don't judge people by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Stop making Martin Luther King's dream a nightmare. Stop. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so beautifully simple. And Jesus wasn't a race. Yes, he needed to be Jewish to fulfill the Messiah piece in the flesh. But Jesus said this. There's a day coming when you're going to worship God in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. Spirit does not have a race. So stop. Qu quit. Quit taking your race and saying, well, I'm better because Jesus is my color. Lucifer likes that one too. Loves it. Are you guys getting this? I mean, it's almost midnight. And I, I cannot tell you how important this is. We have got to wake up. Wake up. Your world is being deconstructed around you. Don't let their definitions define your life. Stop. It cost God his very life, which he gave, by the way. No one took it. He gave it so that you would not be defined by anything other than his love other than his grace, other than his mercy for you. So you have a choice tonight. Do you, do you want to be your own God? Or do you want to bow your knee before the God who created you, who knows you and loves you? Jesus stood up to cancel culture. You need to as well. You need to speak the truth. You need not to be afraid of what people are going to say. I'm a, I, I, I remember in America, you know, my dad came from the greatest generation, right? World War II. I mean, they stood up to the, they stood up to the, the most powerful nations in the world. And you cower before a mob of tweets. Don't be so concerned about what man thinks of you. Be concerned about what God thinks of you. We don't have a... a you can basically deconstruct it all the way you want, but we have a sin problem. We have a problem with men wanting to be their own God and women wanting to be their own God. That's the problem we're facing. And before you can change your culture around you, you got to get changed. 
See, this world, this world systems, this cancel culture, this awokeness wants to change you by force from the outside in. And God wants to transform you from the inside out. I really pray you guys are getting this. And I know this might be my last podcast because I probably have upset people. But I'm going to call them out anyway. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, the Klan. Here's the truth, guys. The white hood of the Klan isn't about the white hood. It's about the hood. It's about this idea that we can get together as a mob the same spirit of the clan the same spirit of all of these people that have tried to destroy people over the years that hood isn't just white it can be but it can be any color it can be any ideology it can be any belief system you guys gotta understand Stop commandeering Jesus for your cause. Stop commandeering the things of God so that you can be God. Because if you don't, stop. The real God's going to show up. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. I'm going to take another risk, and I realize I'm, I'm going over, but this is going to go a little bit longer this time. I'm going to take another risk. You guys have got to understand this. I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was younger, when I was like five years old, I played with dolls. You're like, oh, what we need to do now, we need to give him hormones and we need to make him into a woman. No. Do you know why I played with God, dolls? Because there was this very cute little five-year-old girl across the street. And I never went through a time in my life where I didn't like women. And And if it meant playing dolls to be with her at five... It wasn't about a gender change. It was about my heart, my little heart, wanting to be with this little girl. We were dear friends. Parents. I'm going to get in trouble again. But parents, you got to stop this crap. you got to stop these whole... Um, let's see what my three-year-old or my three-month-old or my however old my child is. Just see what gender they want to be. It's crap. It's absolute crap. Now, I'm going to share some things with you guys. When I went to grad school, I didn't understand this transgender thing at all. But I met a man, who's, and I brought him to a hospital in Denver. He came to see me as a counselor. And I met his wife, and his wife had a baby. And the baby had... Uh, they didn't know this, the sex because the baby had both um, sex organs. And I found out there's a small percentage of children that are born that way. And in this case, it was actually a girl because the, the outside, the tube, it was hollow. And the ovaries were actually in, inside. But what happened over the course of time, when children were born like this, they were made into males because males at the time had more of a credibility than women do. I'm not saying that's right. And in Jesus' time, he lifted up women way, way up. And children, by the way. If you want a social justice warrior, look at Jesus and what he did for people in the true sense of the word social justice. So anyway, I, I talked to a doctor and found there's a small percentage 
of babies that are born like this. Now, can you imagine the confusion for these kids? So there is a small segment of the population that this has happened to. And for those that are struggling with that, my heart goes out to you, man. And if you're an adult now, and you decide you want to change your gender because things were just so confused inside you biologically, that makes total sense. I, you need help with that. You need some guidance through that. And if, and if you're an adult and you decide you want to change genders, you have a free self-determination to do that. But don't have little kids make decisions, oh, I want to be a boy or I want to be a girl. Because this is it. That now we have this crazy healthcare industry that wants to give these women, these, these young girls, hormones so that they can um, be men and men so they can be girls at a young age. And this isn't like getting a tattoo. This isn't a phase. I understand it's kind of in vogue now to be transgendered, but you got to understand something. It's not like pink hair where you outgrow it, or you may not. It's not like the tattoo you get that says, I love Emma. It's changing your body to the point where women can't have children anymore. That these women, these young girls, are being destroyed in their bodies. And we have a healthcare system that says, yes, let's do that in the name of wokeness. And it's wrong. And God stands against it. God stands against it. Because he created you in his image. And he loves you. And if you know the love of God, if you're transformed from the inside out, you'd stop letting your feelings determine your gender. You'd stop letting your feelings determine your sexual preference, actually. I know I'm going to get in trouble for that one, too. Take it up with God. I know many gay people I've counseled gay people. I would not tell a gay person what they should or should not believe. That's between you and God. If you're a Christian, there's a Bible. I suggest you read it, starting Romans 8. We all, we all are in need of a Savior because we all have this fallen nature to want to be our own God. Have I missed anybody? So how do you know you're so woke that Lucifer's smiling at you? You know because you tell other people what to think, what to believe, what to do. And if they don't do it, you become a mob. You gnash your teeth. You try to destroy them. But my dear sisters and brothers, you don't need to be woke. You need to be awakened. You need to be awakened to who you really are. You can pretend to be your own God. You can try to be your own God. And you're going to end up in misery and living an illusion of control. Or you can surrender your life. You can surrender your desire to be God, your desire to be right. You can surrender your religion. You can surrender your ideology to a God who loves you. And a God who gave his life for you. And he meets you right where you're at. Like I said, I may be canceled after this podcast. I'm. This may be the last podcast that I ever do. But I have to be faithful to the word of God. Don't bow before those who claim to be God and want to use their religion against you. 
choose God who created you. Give your life to Jesus and let him be your Savior and Lord. I love you guys. I'm, I'm so tired of watching humanity destroy itself when it doesn't have to. I'm, I'm tired of watching Lucifer win and the body of Christ forgetting that you're more than a conqueror with Christ. So this is what I would say to Christians out there. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ in you. But you won't know that unless you face the gates of hell with Jesus. I know this hasn't been an easy podcast. I know that this may have upset some of you. I, I, and you may be gnashing your teeth. Some of you also, if one, just one, turned from being their own God to the God that loves them, this podcast was worth it. If just one. I don't know what my next podcast is going to be. I'm going to take a break for a while. I've put out five. I've been really believing that the Spirit of God has been moving in my life to give you these five podcasts. The first one, The Scandalous Woman. Guys, that's where a woman who's caught in adultery and thrown in the street, getting ready to be stoned by rocks, brings us to Jesus. Which means no matter what sin you've committed in your life, no matter how much you've been judged, how much you've judged yourself, there's redemption and hope for you. Because Jesus gets down in your, to your level, meets you eye to eye, meets you where you're at, and knows your name and knows your language. The second podcast was Castaways. This idea that we're on an island and that we put ourselves on an island. We've been shipwrecked. And the whole idea of being on an island is how we've tried to cope with life without God and tried to survive. And you get introduced to Jesus through a leper. The third podcast is The Quarantine Woman, and it's the story of the woman with the blood disease who comes to Jesus and risks it all, all the stigma, all the humiliation, all the disappointment, and is healed physically and spiritually. The fourth podcast is The Condemned Man. It tells the story of the condemned man on the cross next to Jesus, from the beginning of his life until he went to the cross and how he found Jesus as he was hanging on a cross with him. And the fifth podcast, of course, that's been about Jesus meets the cancel culture. You guys, I'm praying for you. And I'm not praying from a place of self-righteousness. I'm not praying from a place of I'm better than you. I'm praying from a place of I've experienced love and acceptance that no false God could ever give me. I've experienced the intimacy with the God that created me. And I know I'm loved. And I want you guys to experience that for you. And God will give you the choice. God bless you guys. Have a blessed night or early morning. And we'll see if I have a podcast after this podcast is over. But if not, it's been a really cool adventure with you guys. Um, and I hope you give your life to Christ. Because this earth... And this life is a drop in the bucket.
And eternity is a long time to spend out of the presence of love when you don't have to. He loves you that much. He wants to be with you just as you are right now. But he won't leave you that way. He'll transform you from the inside out. Are you tired? Are you tired of bowing before false gods? Are you tired of trying to be a god? It's a burden you don't have to carry. You are not ever intended to carry. Give your life to Jesus. Doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect. I don't believe in the fairy tale gospel. When you give your life to Jesus, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be challenges. God doesn't protect you from life. Life still happens. But he'll never leave you or forsake you. You'll be loved. He'll work in your life to make you to have the capacity to love like he loves. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of any greater pursuit, any greater dream, any greater vision or destiny than to learn to, than to learn to love like God does. You first got to let him love you first. That means giving your life to Christ. I pray that you do. And don't bow to this cancel culture anymore. Don't let them define your life. Let God define your life. Don't bow before them. Be like Jesus. And stand. <laughs>